Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by my old buddy, my old pal at Daryl J. Brent. Daryl, I'm, I'm quite well behaved on the intro today for some reason. I think yeah, there was no one. screaming or any wailing. We no. must have a guest. We <laughs> must have a special guest. <laughs> yeah, it's like what you you know when your mother before guests come around and they're like, you better act normal, um, because otherwise you know no treats for you. We have uh, the 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 men of all men, the man of all men, the men of all men. Uh, we have Rob Domofsky from ESPN, friend of the podcast, and for some reason he keeps coming back on. And to be honest, Daryl, I mean <laughs> he went from the Pat McAfee show and now he's on the UK Packers podcast. So Rob is just going up in the world. It's Robert. all up for you, Rob. It's all up, <laughs> Mr. Domofsky. You guys know board? better. You guys know better than to have to think you have to behave with me coming on. You don't, you don't have to be, mind your manners with me. You guys know that. Oh, I know. I just thought that was because uh, we have you as friends on Facebook, Rob, and uh, I think there's a private Instagram there as well. That's how we roll with you, Rob, you know, and I just thought that was shenanigans <laughs> was left to there, but we're blowing it all out on air. Let's do this thing, Rob. Uh, it's great to catch up with you guys. Yeah, and I'm just, do you know what, Rob? It's a, it's a badge of honor that you can actually understand. And now that we've two patties in the studio, um, if you get through this, without going uh, what sorry repeat that again i think daryl i think we give him uh, some type of badge do we some yeah this, this will be very similar to doing like a german oral exam you'll mm. be absolutely exhausted after 15 minutes of this yeah, yeah so uh, no no one contact well, rob so after because he's gone I've for naps i've understood all every word you guys have said so far <laughs> yes what right? I need some translation. Come on, Rob. Good man. Um, so, yeah, as I said, uh, Pat McAfee Show, I know you're on with us. So, Rob, you just like to tear it up uh, with the people because, you know, has media changed, Rob? Because, like, Pat McAfee is really doing some good things, swears on his show, very entertaining. Are people in the media kind of loosening up a little bit, do you think? Because it used to be very shirt and tie stuff. You know, it's a great question, Steve. Like, in some places it has, and in some places it's, it hasn't. I mean, mm. look, I can't go on SportsCenter or NFL Live and talk to, to them the same way I <laughs> would talk to you guys or yeah. McAfee, but there's certainly more places for it and more places, I think, to show personality. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird because, like, in, in, in the end, like, my job is still being a reporter, and ultimately, and I think we've talked about this before, like, I look at my job as to tell people something they didn't already know. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you listen to an interview that I do or a TV report that I make or a story that I write, like, I hope you learned something that you didn't know before. Um, Cause if, if that's the case, then I feel like I've done my job and, and the rest of it's all window dressing, you know, it's all, it's just all however you want to dress it up, I guess. Yeah. And just looking at that, Rob, I mean, I see your, your latest pin tweet um, is basically about, we're going to get to it, but the Aaron Rodgers story. And it's about, you basically say that you want to stay fair and objective, which I think is, it's harder to do these days uh, because of the democratization of social media. But I think you'll find on this podcast, we're fair, objective and silly. Yeah. Which is very oh. important. <laughs> it's a silly well, goose time. That's a, it's a good combination, Daryl. And, and it's funny that you mentioned the pin tweet because I've never pinned a tweet before in my life. And it got to the point early on in this Rogers thing where like people were like, well, you just don't want him to come back or you do, or you're just biased because you want him to come back. I, I was getting both sides of it. And I thought like it was important to just say, look, first of all, it's not a, this is not a made up story. Like people thought like that Adam Schefter and uh, rap sheets and all the other national outlets that have reported on this were making things up. And I wanted to make it clear 
that these stories were well reported and well researched and and it's it is a real situation and two that me as a reporter who covers the team um it's i don't it doesn't matter necessarily to me how the story ends um and whether he comes back or not my job is to cover the green bay packers regardless and um, you know, th- that's kind of what I wanted people to understand that it's, I have no stake in it personally. Yeah. Um, and I'm not rooting, I'm not rooting for any one outcome over the other. Yeah, I think that's a mistake they make with us as well, Rob. Sometimes we get called homers because, you know, we sort of, we, yeah, and I know we root for the team and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like, but sometimes we actually try to rationalize what the Packers brass do. And sometimes, believe it or not, yeah. it makes sense. So like when we sort of say stuff like the team tend to know what they're doing, you know, we get people like, oh, no, they don't, you know, and this guy sitting on his couch eating Doritos, uh, giving out to us. But <laughs> before we delve in deep to the elephant in the room, uh, which is a very Aaron Rodgers uh, shaped elephant, uh, it does have man bun included um, this off season Rob usually the off season is a pretty painful time especially for reporters I talk about a lot where we can shoot the breeze but when you're getting paid like you are to have to cover the team you know it can be tough to find stories it hasn't been the case because of the Aaron Rodgers story but as a reporter and as an objective reporter I mean is this a good off season for the trade in the sense that you know you've got a, a lot to talk about or is it just more of a hassle and a distraction from you just trying to report on mini camp and stories yeah a little bit of both because and it's a good point because yes it's great for um for content and rating and I mean look uh I'm not going to lie. Like people are reading these stories and that's a good thing for me as a, as a reporter. Like, I mean, and we're not, look, we're not paid by clicks. We're not judged by clicks, but you know, it, we do want people to read our stories because that's what makes ESPN money is advertising um, and, and all that. And it's based on readership. The more, the, the more people go to ESPN.com, the more money ESPN.com is going to make. That's just business, right? Um, so, so yeah, certainly it's good. People are reading pretty much everything we write about the situation, mm. um, from covering the team though, I, I feel a little bit like some of the storylines, um, especially with the rookies are getting cheated a little bit. Like yeah. I've written mm. one story since the draft about Eric Stokes. I mean, this is the first round pick. Uh, he had a pick six in practice the other day. Um, it was this unbelievable athletic play showed off. I mean, they drafted him cause he's got four, two, five speed or whatever it was. Yeah. He shows off that speed in his first mini camp, picks off a pass, returns it for a touchdown and it barely gets a mention, right? Like, I mean, just a little bit of a blurb. I, I, I feel, and look, not that the rookies or anybody else cares how much they're mentioned in, in stories or whatever, but I sort of feel like those guys have been cheated out of coverage a little bit, um, and publicity, because of everything that's been, been going on. And, and, and I think, you know, maybe fans are are also cheated out of finding out exactly what's going on with, you know, this player or that player. Um, You know, look, I, like I would have loved to have watched Devin Funches at practice because we haven't seen him on a football field since the Packers signed him. And and yeah, I watched him a little bit, but um, you know, all eyes were on Jordan love and charting every throw he makes. So from that standpoint, it's been, you know, like your question about the off season, it's been a little bit of good and bad in that yeah. regard. And, and which, which I, I hope that, you know, when training camp rolls around, I'm not saying that there'll be any semblance of normalcy, but I hope we can tell some of those other stories that, you know, we would normally be telling at this time of year and, 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 and well, you know, introducing these players and their skills and their personalities to, to the fans that, that, you know, maybe haven't, they just haven't heard about 
Yeah, that's. I was thinking the same thing as well, Rob. I mean, normally it does seem like an off season's been thrown slightly out of kilter, and as you say, you know, it's it, well, you don't want to. These guys aren't looking for the fame, the rookies. But let's face it, this is probably the one for some of these guys. It's probably only the only highlight they're gonna have really in the off season to to read about themselves. You know, getting in and and what it's like to be a rookie Packer. And I kind of feel sorry for them, but I also feel sorry then, obviously, for Jordan Love, who we're gonna christen J Lo from now on in. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's funny <laughs> yeah. that you know the focus on him is a completely different uh, set of facts than it would have been if, if the Aaron Rodgers situation wasn't ongoing. Yeah, and credit to him. So far, he's handled it pretty well. Um, I mean, I thought his, his – pre- you know, think about this, guys. Like, and, and some of this is pandemic-related, too. Obviously, we're not in the locker room on a daily basis. But when he talked to us last week on Wednesday, I believe it was, of minicamp, that was the first time he's talked to the Packers media since August 20th of last year. That's like, and and we, we've never met Jordan Love in person because yeah. we weren't in the locker room last year. Uh, the press conference was still virtual. I mean, think about that. Like, this, this guy's been in Green Bay for, what, 14 months or so? And we've never been face-to-face with him. Fans have never been really face-to-face with him or any of the rookies that came in. Um, it's just so weird. And, and I, you know, hopefully we're getting back to some semblance of normalcy here with, mm. with COVID. And, you know, I thought it was a great sign that um, the Packers announced last week that they're going to have fans at, at training camp and full capacity at games. And, yeah. um, you know, back, vaccination rates seem to be going, you know, pretty high here. So, um, yeah. And we'll be over week 10, week 10, Rob. I, I mean, can't wait. you know, get the point, get the points wait. ready. I've got it marked. Yeah, stick the I kettle got it on, buddy. On my calendar. <laughs> this is where <laughs> this is where you're going to hit the headlines of ESPN. Reporter Rob Domofsky <laughs> gets absolutely wasted. Um, no, we won't. We won't do that to you. We'll, we'll try to keep it all as sober as we can. Certainly, the, the cameras will have to be put away. But look, I mean, you know, the, as you said, the, the, you know, the story hasn't really changed. Let's say with the Aaron Rodgers stuff, but and as you said at the at the top as well, you know, this is a story that. Uh, people kind of knew about other people wanted to say it doesn't exist but you often spoke rob when you've come on the podcast that you guys with boots on the ground like you have a different kind of intel than the rest of us some of the stuff you can't release because you don't have you know the backing to release it yet but i mean the stuff that you know behind the scenes that you know the the air of stuff that you know is bonkers i would imagine that we don't yeah. even know so with this roger situation the last time we spoke i believe you know we mentioned the mccarthy firing and everything else and you sort of said that when he came on with the buffalo game and criticized mccarthy that was his kind of that was he was a dead man yep. walking when it comes to the Roger situation yep. here, Rob, I mean, if it was a known fact, when did you become aware that he wasn't happy? And did you think it would escalate to such a degree that he would announce, apparently or allegedly, that he's not coming back? Yeah, um, I'll address the, the second part first, because I, I, I just I guess I didn't know that he would. Uh, for lack of a better term, I wasn't sure he'd have the, as my grandma would say, the chutzpah to go through with this yeah. and, and actually take it this far, you know, sort of the, the gumption to, to really go this far. Uh, I mean, certainly look, I mean, the, the, a year ago when they picked Jordan love and he told us that, you know um, you know, it's probably no longer a reality that I can control my own end. Yeah. Uh, you know, was, you know, I mean, we all knew it was, you know, I don't want to say uh, that it pissed him off, mm. but it pissed him off. Um, and, and I remember writing and talking to someone who knows him really well um, shortly after the draft that said it's going to do two things. It's going to infuriate him 
and it's going to light a fire under him. And don't be surprised if he plays his butt off. And he did, right? He played, yeah. he played his butt off. And I think it was that sort of that the, the week of the NFC championship game against the Buccaneers when he called his future a beautiful mystery. And then right after the game, he threw his, him, himself into the group of players with, quote, uncertain futures in Green Bay, you know, that we knew, um, you know, that, that this was a possibility. And look, um, I knew all probably early in the offseason, maybe February, March, that he was unhappy that they were not recommitting to him. And, and when I say recommitting to him, you can say, oh, yeah, he's got three years left on his deal. Look, I get that. But I think he wanted – to, to be assured that, Hey, look, based on the way I played and what I showed that I'm going to be the guy here, not just for one more year. Like I don't want to be a lame duck quarterback. And, and they were unwilling to do that. And, and once I think we got word that they were sort of unwilling to do that, um, that sort of changed things. I, I, I last spoke to Rogers um, when I wrote that story, I think it was in early April about the Jeopardy show. Yeah. Okay. Like I did a great, great interview with him talking about how he prepared for Jeopardy, just like he would a football game, watching tape, all this stuff. And at the end of that conversation, I did ask him one question about his future. I, I can't remember what his exact quote was, but I hung up the phone with him that day thinking, wow, he, he thinks he's only playing one more year in green Bay and that's it. Wow. Like that's all he's been assured of is one more year. I hung up the phone going, that was, well, he's resigned to the fact that this is going to be his last year here. And, and I still thought that that's the way it would go, that he would be okay with that. Well, somewhere between that early April day and the late April day, when the story was released, he clearly decided he was not okay with yeah. that because that, that news does not get out if he's not okay with it. And, and I'm not saying he was the source or wasn't the source. I legitimately don't know who the source was for Schefter's report. But I know that at some point in there, that story, you know, does not get out if it if it's not given the okay from someone in Aaron Rodgers' camp, and that and that is, um, so so something changed between the day that I talked to him and I felt like, yeah, he's he's okay one more year and then he's out of here, and, and now he didn't he doesn't even want to do the one more year. It yeah. sounds like. Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting, Rob. And I mean, you, you did say there, you know, he said, you know, he he doesn't know if he's going to be able to control his own end. And I think the question, and again, it's all conjecture because no nobody really knows what exactly all of his reasons are. But and, and taking a side back, how much control should a quarterback have in general? Do you think? I mean, a lot of the times these guys they want to control their own team, they want to have a say in you know in hirings and firings. But I just wonder from a you know from, from a franchise's perspective, can they actually give that much power? to a player to give that kind of an open slate to them and survive? It's a great question. It's a great question. And, and I'm going to answer it by saying this. Uh, you guys, I know, Steve, you've been here. I don't know, Daryl, if you've been to Lambeau Field, but, but you've, seen, you've seen what it's like around the stadium, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive billion-dollar operation. Yeah. And I would be willing to bet that on Aaron Rodgers' drive into work, he drives by all the stuff around Titletown, whether it's the – the, the, the condominiums and apartments that they've built, the restaurants, the hotels, the stadium itself, the atrium, and thinks to himself, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have any of this. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if I wasn't here and I didn't lead this team to, you know, 13 and three and, and Super Bowl 45, none of this would be what it is. And I've made all these people 
millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and I, I gotta believe there's some sort of empowerment that comes with yeah. that. Like when, and, and, and Brett Favre was the same way when they renovated the stadium in 2001, uh, I'll guarantee you Favre thought, well, if it wasn't for me, this stadium would still be that old, ugly aluminum sided mm. thing. Uh, but I, but, but because of me, uh, and right, wrong, or indifferent, I think that's the way those guys think. Mm. And that lends itself to some entitlement. Um, and again, I'm not, it's, I'm not here to judge whether mm. they should or shouldn't think that way, but I'm just telling you, I think that's the way they think. And with that, they feel like they, they are, you know, um, deserving of, of more. And, and I can see their arguments. I really can. Mm. Um, now, whether that boils down to, whether they should cut Jay Kumaro or not cut Jay Kumaro, uh, or not, or bring Jordy Nelson back for another year or not bring him back. Like, I don't know if it's to that degree, um, mm. you know, or, or, or I should have a say in draft picks. I don't know if it's to that degree, but I do think that they're entitled to a phone call on the day of the draft that says, Hey, look, we may, you know, we may draft a quarterback. We, you know, we like Jordan love if it falls to us, uh, we may do this, but it doesn't mean we're moving on from you. It's just for the long-term security of the future of the franchise. Yeah. Do I think they should have, you know, involved him in that process? Absolutely. Yeah. You see, that's, that's the thing as well. I was sort of, because the more I ponder it, the more I know that it's more complex. It's not as if they, they drafted Love and then Rogers thought, oh, well, that's it. it. It's not really the Love pick. It's probably an accumulation over time. Um, and yeah, I, I guess where I stand as well, Rob, on the phone call thing, I was just, I just wondered like how much warning did the Packers get to move up? And if they, if they had have called Rogers and said to him, this is the case, it's not going to impact you. I don't think he would have believed it though, would he? And he'd probably turn around and have so many more questions and then they'd say, well, look, I actually have to go now probably, and then draft him, you know? Right. Um, but look, you, 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 yeah, you're probably right. It's probably a conversation you have to have the week yeah, of the, leading up to the exactly, draft, not yeah. in the moment, not in the moment. Yeah. And I think Probably. that's probably where it went pear shaped. Now I know you might not be able to speak on this, Rob, and, and maybe there's no evidence for it, but you know, they, they call the GM of the Packers, the most powerful man, uh, probably in sports, certainly in the NFL, in the sense that he doesn't <laughs> have to answer to an owner because they always defer the football decisions yep. to him. So he can do what he wants. Do you think there is any truth in the rumors that it was the, it was Gutekunst's handling of the situation that sort of exacerbated this, or have you got an inclination of whether Rogers does have a problem with Gutekunst? Because we had some of Rogers' friends coming out and say that's not a that's yeah. not a runner. I think it's I, you know I was surprised by what James Jones has said because every indication that I've gotten is that it is an issue with the general manager and the front office in general about how they communicate. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm not sure why James Jones or John Kuhn, you know, feel the way they feel. I, I just tell you from the people I've talked to that that is exactly what the issue is. And when you listen to Rogers on Kenny Mayne, and again, Rogers, it would be so much easier if he would just come out and, and say things directly instead of mm. us having to play the translation game. Yeah. You know, uh, you think it's, people think it's hard to understand Irish accent. It's hard to understand Aaron Rodgers' accent. He uh, doesn't have one. I feel like I've, I feel like I've studied the, I've studied the language of Rodgers, you know, for 16 years, and I'm still not yeah. fluent in it in some regard. But, but by listening to those Kenny Mayne comments, he praised everyone but the front office. Right? He loves his coaches. He loves his teammates. He loves the fans. Nowhere did he ever say anything about 
Brian Gutekunst, Russ Paul, Mark Murphy, yeah. or or any of those people. But and and then he talked about you know you can't forget what organizations are about. They're about the people, which to me tells me mm-hmm. that he feels like he need to be he deserved to be treated better. Um, and, and who's treating him better? Well, the general manager, the president of the team. Those are the people that I think um, he has the issue with and every indication that from people that I've spoken to close to him back that up. Yeah. Rob, will this damage his legacy? Do you think if, you know, for how long he stays silent, how, you know, at the minute he seems to have one half of the camp are very pro Rogers, the other half are very pro Packers. As this goes on, do you think this will damage what he's done? I think it already has um, to some degree. Now, could it be, could it be repaired? Sure. Uh, if he comes back and, and they win the Super Bowl this year, uh, absolutely, I think it'll be water under the bridge. But I, I can just tell you this. There's a, a, I drive by this house every day when I go into town, and um, there's a sign out in front of this guy's yard, and he's got a big Packers flag, so he's clearly a pro Packers fan. It says, Aaron, comma, go Pack. <laughs> And that to me means go pack your yeah, bag, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a twist on the go pack, yeah. cha- you know, go yeah. pack, go. Uh, they're telling him to go pack as in go essentially pack, pack up some stuff and, and get out. Now, I will also tell you this. I've driven by Roger's house eh, probably once a week for the last couple of months just to see if there's a for sale sign out in front of it. And there's still no for, there's still no for sale sign. So, yeah. Um, now, maybe if you're Aaron Rodgers, you don't have to put a for sale sign up in front of your house and it just sells. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, let's just like my gauge, my temperature check of the community. Um, that, that's what it's telling. Yeah. And, and what Rob is saying there for anyone who didn't get it was, is that Rob is looking to upscale uh, in his housing and he's looking to move into our house place when he's <laughs> yeah. gone. He's scoping out Aaron Rodgers' house to buy. ESPN. Uh, it's, it's out of my price. Oh, the range, clicks, the clicks have been very good to ESPN, Rob. We all know you've run the Pat McAfee <laughs> show, Rob. So, um, look, we won't hold you for too long because we know you're, you're crazy busy, but I guess to finish the Aaron Rodgers talk and maybe a really quick fire rapid, let's talk some rookie talk. Uh, the last one, Aaron, Aaron okay. Rodgers, uh, Rob, for you. Like a good feeling from you, again, being, you know, at the epicenter of all of this. Do you see Rodgers back? And if so, or if not, is it a possibility he retires or do the Packers trade him? I mean, how, where do you actually see this ending up? So there's there's three possible outcomes, right? He he doesn't play here again. He plays, he, but it, or if he, and if he doesn't play here again, the other two are, does he sit out? slash retire or is he traded um i'm still I'll, I'll, I'll address the first one first i still don't think he's playing here again although i think the chances the longer we go into this the closer we get to training camp i do think that maybe he'll realize that you know the best thing for him to do is play here so i'm not totally ruling it out but my initial reaction was there was a five percent chance less than five percent chance he would ever play here again I'm willing to up it a little bit, but not, not a ton. What I don't have a great feel for is whether they'll just force him to sit out and, or, and, or he'll retire, um, which, you know, if that's the case, he loses out on significant money. And, and as you know, could have to repay some money um, or if they trade him. And, and here's my thinking on the trade. And this is just me. This is not with any insight into what they would do, but if it were me, I probably wouldn't trade him now or anytime um, before the season. 
I would probably trade him after the season, and here's why. If you let's just let's just pick Denver as 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 the team that he that they would trade him to. If you trade him to Denver right now, Denver's probably going to be pretty good this year because they have Aaron Rodgers, which means they're going to win 10, 11, 12, 13 games, which means that first round draft pick you'd get next year is like 25th or lower in the round. If if Denver if Denver stinks all year, they win 5 games and then you trade him in February, you're going to end up with a top 10 pick in the same draft. It's not like if you trade him now that that's going to give you anything for this year. So I'm starting to lean toward um, if you're going to trade him, make him sit out this year and trade him at the end of the year. That That's what I would do. I'm not saying that's what they would, are going to do, but I think that's the way. I find. It took me a long time to come up with what I would do. And just over the last week or so, I think that's that's what I I've decided. That's what I would yeah. do. Not that it, not that I'm in any sort of power. Yeah. Um, well, you never know. Maybe Rob, you're the one pulling the strings behind the scenes here. We don't know. Let's <laughs> get, let's get the scoop. Uh, no, I think you're right. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, the Packers have always been plagued by you know late round, first round draft picks. So this would be a, a way to get a king's ransom, yep. I guess, for it. And look, if they're only planning on playing one more year, well, I guess it's just a you know it's a. I don't know, they're ordaining a bit of fire here by maybe settling for Blake Bortles to come in and do his business and then Jordan Love has to be ready then within the year. Uh, but either way, you know, they're kind of putting him on a year's gardening leave, uh, if you will, because he simply doesn't want to play his final year. So I, I guess it makes sense. Now, look, um, it's time for us to right the wrong here, I guess, in the sense that we've spoke all Aaron Rodgers and we've annoyed you with the Aaron Rodgers talk. Uh, but you've you've had your eyeballs on the mini camp and you've had a good look at the rookies uh, here, Rob. We see Stokes, as you say, coming down with that interception. Uh, we hear other reports of rookies doing good jobs. Yep. What's your initial reaction on the talent that they added? My initial reaction is that they have a draft class that can help them right away. And, and in fact, you know, tying this all to Aaron Rodgers, if Rodgers were to look at it objectively and see, you know, hey, do we have enough to get over the hump? I think he would see that they actually did do that with this draft because look, I know you can gripe about they didn't draft a receiver in the first or second round. I get that, but they didn't lose to the Buccaneers in the NFC championship game because they didn't have another weapon. They lost because their cornerbacks, you know, specifically Chandon Sullivan and Kevin King struggled. So what did they do? They went out and drafted Eric Stokes. Um, They had issues on the offensive line, obviously because of Bakhtiari's, uh, injury and, and, you know, and now they lose Corey Lindsley. What did they do? They went out and drafted three offensive linemen, one a starting center who's probably going to be uh, an opening day, Corey Lindsley. I mean, he's like yeah, Corey Lindsley part two, and that's no disrespect to Corey Lindsley because he did a hell of a job, but, you know, th- they filled that. And then, then they, they did get that receiver uh, that they haven't had, you know, like a slot guy, return guy. I mean, he's, you know, Amari Rogers could be Randall Cobb part two, and they haven't had anybody like that since Randall Cobb left. So I think that, that it's a, it's a rookie class that to me has a chance to contribute maybe, maybe even up to five guys, uh, even Shamar Jean Charles, John Charles, uh, the fifth round cornerback. I saw him making plays in mini camp. I mean, so now you're talking about two DBs, two offensive linemen, because Royce Newman, the fourth-round offensive lineman, could play, uh, and Amari Rogers, guys that could play and be successful right away, I think it's a pretty darn good draft class. Again, now this is all just going off of shorts and helmets, and I don't want to get too crazy, but I, don't, I didn't feel that way necessarily about last year's draft class, specifically because, A, one of them was a quarterback who wasn't going to play, and B, the other, the second round pick, A.J. Dillon, was behind two really good running yeah. backs in Jamal Williams and 
Aaron Jones. Well, now AJ Dillon's going to be sharing the load with Aaron Jones. So I, I just think they're, I, I think they're in a really good position to make another run at this thing. If Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, but if he's not, you know, then I, I don't think, I just think it's so important to have him yeah. that they, they'll struggle without him. But I do like, I do like the looks of the draft class, uh, the way it looks right now. Again, we'll see when it becomes real football and not, you know, patty cake and shorts and helmets, <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I like the, you know, I would think they would have to like what they have. Right yeah. Now. That, that's something we were saying on the pod for quite a while. We were actually saying we, they've almost built the team that Aaron Rodgers needs to step up that yep. level. The horrible irony is they've built him a team to give him another crack at this and he's not going to be on board for it. And that's something that, you know, really concerned us because we were thinking, well, it's built for Aaron Rodgers and his strengths. The problem is, can anyone else step in and play that type of game? And obviously uh, that, that story is yet to be written. But one of the questions I had was, Joe Barry, what do you think about Joe Barry? What have you seen in his body language? He seems old school to me. He seems like the kind of guy that likes to bang, you know, rub shoulders and, and clap hands and things like that. Is that something you've seen? How is he going down? I'll tell you what I saw last week. They, they were doing a, a just a tackling dummy drill, you know, where they roll those donut things out there and the, they jump on them. And when every guy who went through the line got up, Joe but- Barry was there to high five them and slap them on the back. And, and look, I'm not saying that makes a great coach, but it's a energetic, um, and I think I tweeted this. I said, I can see why Matt LaFleur likes Joe Barry because he's very much like Matt LaFleur with a hands-on approach, yeah. like getting down there and, and, and getting up close to the, the players uh, you know, in practice. And look, it's not to, just to say anything uh, about Mike Pettin's style. It was just different. Like Mike Pettin was more of the, I'm going to sit back under my sunglasses and, yeah. and sort of watch and observe. And, and, you know, Mike Patton's defense was you know, they ended up pretty good last mm. year. I, I just think that um, maybe it wasn't a great fit with, with him and LaFleur in terms of communication and personality. And look, Joe Barry's track record, quite frankly, isn't very good. Right. I mean, like at, at Washington and Detroit, they were like bottom of the league, but he didn't have the talent either there, you know, at either of those places, he had no pro bowl or very few pro bowl players or all pro players on those teams. So, um, you know, I think from a personality standpoint, he's a better fit for what Matt LaFleur, uh, how he and his coaches coach, but you know, the proof will be in the production, you know, on game days. But I think so far you can see, um, exactly why LaFleur likes. Yeah. Um, some great personalities there. Jerry Gray, again, another guy who sort of gets in with the lads, Joe Barry, uh, Matt LaFleur, you know, Mike, Mike Smith, yeah. Mike Smith, Hackett as well uh, as fairly hands on, isn't he? I mean, quoting way. sort of uh, yep. stuff. Yep. But um, Rob, look, we know you're a busy man. We've had your chin wagon here for quite some time. And Daryl, I think he gets that medal now because he's gone through the whole podcast without yeah. having to sort of hang. It hasn't hung up either, which is also a bonus. No, which is also a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I think we sort of, we had contingencies. There. Yeah, I, I, think I, under, I think I understood almost everything you guys said. Yeah, too. <laughs> I see the way he said almost everything. There was probably a patch there where he sort of blanked <laughs> yeah. out. But uh, Rob's concentration, he had four coffees before he came on just to try keep up with us but uh <laughs> rob Domofsky, you can uh, repay the favor and have a couple of beers when we go over a few espresso martinis maybe is that how we roll over there or a couple of old fashions pints guinness well def- definitely old fashions is the local drink but there are plenty of good places to get 
a fine pint to Guinness, oh. and and we will definitely do that when you guys are over here. Absolutely, we have to we have to hold Larry McCarron to his promise. He said he'd come out as well. That's an Irish man through and through, right there. I mean, you know, we have to get him out. I'd say he could score <laughs> some points. But Rob Domofsky of ESPN, you can find your stuff on ESPN and on Twitter as well. You don't need any introduction. Everyone on the podcast is for goddamn it. They're following you anyway. Uh, so Rob, uh, it's been absolutely fascinating as usual, and cheers for coming on, bud. Well, thanks for having me. For you guys, it's uh, I'm always here for you. You're the man. Cheers, Rob. Thanks, Rob.